Welcome to Manners of Madness, a Jane Austen and David Lynch podcast. My name is Maya Adkins. And I'm Christian Cabrera. And today we are diving into Twin Peaks Season 2, Episode 15. Slaves and Masters, the controversial (laughs) episode. (laughs) (laughs) Controversial, that's a interesting descriptive term for this episode well like i know in the last episode i said it's these few episodes where you always get the like i mean even if you look on imdb it's like Mm -hmm. this episode is blah 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 and it's always i just remember like it's always the diane keaton one that people are like the nadir of twin peaks Mm. (laughs) (laughs) but and i to be fair there's probably a lot of this episode that i have fast forward through in the past because <laughs> you know i always fast forward through the james storyline and right. he's got a big portion of this episode but watching it this time i was surprisingly tolerant of it and i actually enjoyed it quite <laughs> a bit and i was like even the james storyline i was i don't know why i mean there are certain moments where i'm like this is something that i'm sure i hated or do still, <laughs> you know, dislike. <laughs> but like, right. overall, I found it way more enjoyable than I normally do. So yeah, I enjoyed this episode. It definitely is like, not the worst. I don't know why people would say that. I guess maybe like, what's I find so like, interesting about Twin Peaks now is like, because the network made them kind of reveal who killed Laura, and we wrapped it up already. It's like, uh-huh. so it's just like, it's, it's weird to have the rest of the show not be about Laura yeah. in a way, you know what I mean? Like I, I could definitely see how like maybe some people were like, it just seems like it kind of became a different show in the middle of it. Um, but I still think it's fun. I still think it's very interesting. Like there's a lot of mystery still, and we've not really come back to the supernatural element of the show that much yeah. to this episode. So it's like, oh, like there's still so much. For them to still reveal to us. Yeah. And I feel like, actually, it seemed like this episode had a lot of, like, owl (laughs) symbolism. And, you know, Wyndham was particularly menacing Mm -hmm. and... And owly. Very (laughs) (laughs) owly. I feel like the owls in this episode especially were... Every time we were, like, in a scene with him or something with him, it was like, um, don't forget the owls. Because right. it was like owls <laughs> everywhere. Uh, yeah, there. Uh, but uh, like some, it seemed like a, some storylines were really wrapping up. Like a lot of the ones that people don't like as much were wrapping up, and mm-hmm. some were really like getting to a good point. And I don't know. I'm excited to talk about this one because I feel like I, I enjoyed it more than I normally do. <laughs> yeah, me too. I'm excited just to see like what. Yeah, I guess I would like to hear what your thoughts are on the James. Storyline stuff and all that. So, yeah, I'm excited. Yeah. Okay. Well, should we just go ahead and get into the notes then? Yeah. Do you have more first impressions? Nope. That's all I got. (laughs) Okay. Well, I don't have as many notes as usual because I forgot to look at this book, (laughs) but there's a lot in this book that I probably. could have added but i did try to look up diane keaton to see like if she had any interviews about it and uh-huh. the only thing i could find was just like she had mentioned it when someone asked her about it in another interview and she said that it was very unique for david lynch to just let the directors kind of do what they wanted to 
Mm -hmm. Usually there's like a standard set of like, it's like a language for the show. So they try to keep the directing all the same. But David Lynch was just like, you know, do whatever you want. And you can see that with all the directors, like all trying new type stuff. And there were a lot of Mm -hmm. shots like that in this one, she said. But she didn't really see David Lynch a lot. Or like, I don't think she really talked to him while it was going on. Ah, okay. Interesting. And okay, so it was obviously directed by Diane Keaton. Writers were Harley Payton and Robert Ingalls, two of the regulars. Mm. It was released February 9th, 1991. And one of the little trivia facts is that when Wyndham was playing the flute, he was playing Uh this song, Questions in a World of Blue, which is one of the regular songs, like one of the ones Julie Cruz sings. Uh-huh, uh-huh. And they also used that same song when they were, like, saying what the name of the dead vagrant's name was. Ah, uh, okay. And also when Evelyn was, like, blowing smoke rings. Okay, yeah, that, I didn't even catch that, but now I'm like, oh, there was the same song. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I didn't notice it either, but it's just, it was interesting. I heard the flute music, but I didn't recognize it as, you know, questions in a world of blue, which I do know that song really well. The logline from the Twin Peaks Unwrapped book was, Ben Horn's Civil War reenactment concludes. (laughs) (laughs) Very matter of fact. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Okay, so the log lady intro, a death mask. Is there a reason for a death mask? It is barely a physical resemblance. In death, the muscles so relaxed... The face so without the animating spark, a death mask is almost an intrusion on a beautiful memory. And yet, who could throw away the casting of a loved one? Who would not want to study it longingly as the distant freight train blows its mournful tone? Hmm, interesting. I'm guessing that has to do with the very last. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's where my mind went, that creepy little mask at the end. Yeah. So, slaves and masters, is that just the Ben Horn stuff, you think? I think it's that. I mean, they and don't I think really it's... talk about the slavery portion of the civil war in this whole reenactment (laughs) no i think it's definitely like obviously because it's like the civil war implied so i think it definitely has something to do with that but then also the leo and window stuff (gasps) yeah duh maya of course (laughs) (laughs) and i guess you could argue the malcolm and evelyn stuff you could yeah okay cool sometimes i'm like what is this referring to and Sometimes my brain leaps to the weirdest conclusions. <laughs> <laughs> Sometimes they're not as like last episode. We were like, is it a chess move? We'll never know. That's true. We never listen. Up. <laughs> <laughs> and we won't. <laughs> Too late. <laughs> I did like the log lady intro though. The whole yeah. desk math death desk math. <laughs> <laughs> Just some math mathematics. I feel like my grasp of the English language has just been declining. <laughs> uh, death hard. mask. I, yeah, I liked the uh, log lady intro because it was very mm-hmm. thoughtful and it wasn't so cryptic, but yeah. Yeah. Anyway, <laughs> that's all I have for notes. <laughs> all right. Are we ready for the recap? Yeah, let's go ahead and get into it. This was episode 15, Slaves and Masters. Uh, We open with close shots of 
chess pieces on a board and very eerie music playing behind it. Yeah, and we really I get wrote the chessboard motif in this episode. Oh, yeah, we get this shot a couple times, I think. Yeah. And I wrote, clearly we've entered the realm of Twin Peaks horror because it seems very <laughs> much like a horror movie. Yeah. Um, and then we get a long shot all the way up a woman's body. Who we find out is Evelyn. She's in all black because she's, quote unquote, mourning the death of her husband. <laughs> so she's um, in full Black Widow mode. <laughs> yeah, definitely. Black Widow for sure. <laughs> a police officer is questioning her and Malcolm about James and the accident that killed Jeffrey. And it's also questioning how you spell Jaguar. So there's not a W in it. <laughs> He's not the brightest deputy. <laughs> no. <laughs> And we can see that Evelyn is clearly distraught and it seems more so over James than her dead husband is what I am kind of interpreting from this. Yeah, I was going really back and forth with Evelyn the whole time because I was like, my memory of her is that she is nefarious, but Mm -hmm. it's hard to say like at the beginning of this episode, I mean, at the very beginning, you think, well, she must not like James very much because she's basically willing to sell him out in two seconds flat when the (laughs) dumbest police officer questions her. (laughs) <laughs> but then we get the impression that Malcolm is really worse than Evelyn. Oh, yeah. Soon. I think, you know, we haven't necessarily gotten like full on confirmation. But my kind of guess is that the the abuse that we were hearing was actually from Malcolm and not Jeffrey earlier right. on. And so clearly she's like, he's like the one in charge and kind of making her do all this stuff. And I just feel like she, especially in this scene, you can kind of see she's just kind of like, very distraught and is like she just wants it to be over because i think she you know as much as she can knowing james for like a week like loves him i mean say what i will for james he clearly has an effect on wayward women and he just makes them want to be good i (laughs) don't know how but something about it i don't don't know how but somehow Uh, James. Next, we go to Hideout Wally's, where Donna and James are hiding out and planning their next move. Why did they go there, of all places? It's like I, the bar in town. <laughs> I don't know. They're, I mean, clearly, you know, not the brightest, especially James in this scene, because he's saying how he needs to go back and talk to Evelyn and make her, you know, confess to him that, you know, it was a frame job and maybe that'll make him make her say to the police. And then I wrote, I wrote how I love how the bartender asked right after that sentence. You sure? Like, it's like the perfect timing. Like, yeah, that's what we're all saying. You sure that's what's going to happen? <sighs> yeah. I also love how the bartender knows Donna. He's like, Mrs. Hay or Miss Hayward. So like, yeah, <laughs> she's clearly been talking to him a bit. Right. And I mean, James, ugh, I was like, do you think that Evelyn loves you just because she had sex with you? I mean, he's acting like, right. she'll do it for me. I know it. I'm like, well, maybe it's just because they had, they shared a smile that one time. <laughs> that one happy moment together. Right. <laughs> it's like, he doesn't realize yet that she's been lying to him this whole time. And sure, she could like love you, but like, you don't know her at all. You don't know anything about her. <laughs> so... He's just dumb. He thinks he does, though. But oh, also, Donna, James. I'm like, I know James is pathetic, but is he worth all this trouble? <laughs> yeah, I'm I don't think this is what's happening, but I'm hoping that she's like, well, we've been friends and blah, blah, blah. I hope it's not romantic, but I don't think I think I'm wrong. <laughs> 
I don't know. I don't know. They're a mess. <laughs> but there are a bunch of like, oh, maybe you were going to say it next, but no, there's no, a no, bunch of officers lined up at the bar. Yes. That's just a very <laughs> funny, funny little juxtaposition to the scene. <laughs> it is. Wait, I'm, it's so funny that like David Lynch probably he didn't really write the episode and he wasn't like kind of involved with the directing but it felt like a very david lynch thing totally. especially it when like... when they all answer the police officer like hey at the same time yes yes oh my god it felt very david lynch especially i mean it felt kind of like we don't we haven't had gotten it in a while but you know like at the beginning at the great northern there were always weird conventions going on it kind of felt mm-hmm. like one of those kind of moments <laughs> oh yeah it definitely did that that was a good idea so Donna goes to call Ed and just as the police officer walks in, I think it's the same one from the mansion. Probably. But, and she has a really good cover up. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure which Ed was very confused by. <laughs> oh, yeah. Because <laughs> <laughs> she does it just smoothly. Sure, Angie. <laughs> <laughs> and he was like, all right, tip my hat. Well, he, we know he's not the brightest bulb. Right. I was like, Donna, you probably didn't have to do that much, but (laughs) (laughs) at the station, Bobby and Shelly are being questioned by Coop and Harry about Leo's recent attack slash escape. And I wrote, Bobby really can't help but act like a little shit. He just can't help it. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, Uh, well, we had the chest in the forefront of this scene again. Oh, right, right. We did. I didn't write it down. And Shelly and Bobby look teeny tiny behind the table for some reason. They're just like... They do. Way down. <laughs> they look like little kids. <laughs> well... And Bobby has are. this weird baseball cap, which I've never seen him wear a baseball cap before. But... Yeah. He just I wonder especially if... funny in this scene. <laughs> yeah. I wonder if it was done to make him look younger and just to be like, don't forget, he's <laughs> a braggy little dude. Maybe. Maybe, maybe they were trying to be like, remember, these guys are getting into some serious grown-up antics, but they're still like teenagers. <laughs> Kids. <laughs> yeah. And then I wrote, I wish Shelly would just tell him to shut up. Also, Bobby can take care of her. Didn't she save him from being killed by Leo the night before? Hmm. <laughs> like, <sighs> hello. <laughs> he's he's just stupid. But just as they're leaving, Albert comes in. Welcome oh, back, wait. Albert. Does Harry say, is it Harry who says, Bobby Briggs, button it. Yes. <laughs> Bobby Briggs, button it. <laughs> Albert. <laughs> yes. Finally get more Albert. I wrote, he does a great Gordon Cole impression. <laughs> it was really spot on. <laughs> and then he goes into what he's found out about Wyndham. I love how much he and Harry love each other. They have to give, the same, I know. give each other a huge <laughs> hug when they see each other again. <laughs> I forgot that they kind of left on better terms than they... <laughs> it made me think of um, Pamela... Because she loves right. Albert. <laughs> right. <laughs> Wyndham's been sending packages to police stations in the like the South slash Midwest-ish area. And when they map it out, it's in the shape of a C. And all the packages contain different parts of like a bridal outfit. And I wrote C for Coop or C for Caroline or both. Uh, I know. He's making himself very obvious. It's like... In case you didn't know what I was doing, I am sending you pieces of Caroline and right. a letter of a C all over the... And I think that they found the map with the C on it at the police station. So it's like, I'm spelling oh, it out for okay. you as clearly as humanly possible. He must not have very much <laughs> faith right. in Coop's intelligence. Right. He's like, just letting you know, uh, this is why I'm still mad. <laughs> and then I wrote that 
Wyndon's knowledge of rigor Morris, like that whole thing about how he got his hand, the guy's hand to sit still. I felt like it points again that he's done something pretty big and terrible in the past to like know about this. Yeah. Well, you know I, mean, I mean, he was an FBI agent, so maybe he just knows that kind of stuff, but he definitely seems like there's got to be more than just this Caroline killing. And yeah. Yeah, it's it all very like, like, I just feel like it's kind of a not a great explanation for his yeah. level of madness. Right, I agree. And then I wrote, um, now I ship Albert and Coop after that whole conversation <laughs> about how it's fashion suicide to give up a suit and tie for Plaid, but it works for him. <laughs> the casual indifference of these muted earth tones. <laughs> fashion suicide on anyone but you, Coop. <laughs> <laughs> I love him. <laughs> He's so funny. Okay, now we go to, um, I wrote that it was like an abandoned lumber mill cottage because we kind of get shots of like the- Yeah. Yeah. Like the the first time we've gotten lumber mill close ups in a long time. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. That's what I thought it was. But um, we see Wyndham playing a flute of some sort and like Leo's on a cot waking up. And Wyndham has rocks for chairs. There's just like boulders in the middle of the room. Um, And I wrote, was Wyndham feigning his mental instability? Because it doesn't seem like he is now. (laughs) He seems very unstable. He seems very scary. And he's got this yeah. leather eagle picture behind him. <laughs> yeah, I was like, did he did he draw that himself? Because <laughs> it's very good. <laughs> <laughs> it kind of looks like it should like go over a drum, you know, like the top yeah. of the drum. <laughs> it does look like the the top of it. There's a lot of very strange an- animal skin things because I think at the end in the Martell house we see like an animal skin like lampshade and <laughs> oh yes yes there's a lot well, of I mean, that. we've seen a million heads on the wall throughout all of twin right. history <laughs> right <laughs> but then i wrote uh in this in a display of alpha like ownership that leo usually exhib- exhibits over others wyndham mm-hmm. fastens a dog shot collar around him and it's like looks like leo maybe should have just sucked it up and stayed with shelly <laughs> going with wyndham well I mean, it's really establishing how bad Wyndham is that he can so easily yeah. subdue Leo, like the baddest. The last right. episode, we were like, he's so terrifying. And now like, and it's like so satisfying to have Leo be captured by an even badder guy, you know? <laughs> right. Yeah. It's like, ju- really, it's like just desserts at this point because he's been so terrible, especially to Shelly the whole time. Oh, yeah. Yeah, definitely. Oh, how the tables have turned. <laughs> All right. At Ed and Nadine's, we see Ed and Norma in bed together. Uh, they're Which reminiscing. Eleanor and Edward. <laughs> <laughs> they are. <laughs> Eleanor, Edward, Ed, and Norma. Same difference. I mean, they both are willing to like put off their own happiness with a certain level of self torture because of what they right. think other people want. <laughs> <laughs> right, right. <laughs> Uh, but they no you're fine you're fine that's actually a really good comparison we always find the comparisons between these two Uh, this episode particularly i was like i had so many jane austen comparisons oh yeah they're reminiscing together about their history and their of their love and how they tried to repress it but that it never really worked and they always thought about each other and as they talk yeah that's sad for them (laughs) i know i'm like well ed i mean nadine's great but I mean, at least in my opinion, but oh, for Norma to stick with Hank, I'm like, really? It's 20 years? Well, <laughs> no. You know, if Ed is going to love someone else for 20 years, it's mm-hmm. almost not nice to Nadine. <laughs> exactly. Ugh, it's just not. 
whatever. I think we just love Nadine too much that we're like, Ed, you're being a jerk. Yeah. <laughs> I just don't like to see people torturing themselves, you know? Just pull yeah. the band-aid off. Tell the people that you don't want to hurt. Exactly. It's going to be that torturous to you for that long. <laughs> exactly. But as they talk about how they want their future to go, Nadine comes home. <laughs> she rips the door <laughs> off the handle <laughs> by <amazing>. accident and <laughs> finds them in bed together and joins them. <laughs> She's adorable. Uh, That's the part of what I was yes. thinking of when you were like, I want them to be a throuple. I was like, well, yes. <laughs> we do get a little bit of all three of them in bed together. <laughs> yeah. yes. She's lamenting about getting second place in her tournament because she used an illegal move that she didn't know was illegal. She's turning the guy on the top of the yes. all the way <laughs> Uh, and then she apologizes to Norma about pummeling Hank. I wrote clearly <laughs> unaware of how Norma really feels about it. <laughs> um, but as she goes to leave, she tells Ed and Norma that she knows about them, that it's okay with her. They have each other and she has Mike. <laughs> so healthy. <laughs> they're like Very three healthy. little peas in a pod when they're on the bed together. Okay, I now it. I have to comment on this room, this bedroom that they are in. Yes. I assume that it is Nadine and Ed's room because what other room yeah. is going to be? Okay, but first of all, it's decorated like a little girl's room. It's like yes. all flowers on the walls. <laughs> they have a tiny bed for a married couple. Right. And when Nadine is leaving, there are these two pictures behind her of like a little girl. And in the mm-hmm. bottom one, the little girl is holding a cat. And in the top one, it looks like she's holding a gun. And I was like, <laughs> what is this insanity? <laughs> It's the two sides to Nadine. (laughs) I guess so. (laughs) I wonder if like the room was always like this or did Nadine change it? I don't know if we ever got a shot of it before she kind of had her accident. Child bedroom, childhood bedroom. Was this like her house, her parents' house? I don't know. Maybe. It just, uh, yeah, it just, but it does seem very like, you know, (laughs) like a children's room. Is that why Ed stayed with her all this long? time because like he inherited the gas farm from her family it could be <laughs> hmm, I, don't know. <laughs> I don't know i never thought about that anyway i've been very impressed with diane keaton's direction up until this point because i wrote so far i'm impressed with diane keaton's direction <laughs> yeah i yeah i liked it so far this time up to this point definitely okay at the martell residence coop and harry are questioning josie over jonathan's murder those nails <laughs> i these nails Every single time I watched this episode, they were driving me crazy because they are so wide. <laughs> they are they take up more than her fingernail. They're like almost covering her entire finger. I was like, why are they so wide? They're clearly press-ons, but they just look so funny. Like these long red nails yeah. while she's like in this. I guess they're just like a form of her still expressing herself despite her yeah it's uniform i guess <laughs> so i was funny. like you might so want to go back and get them fixed because <laughs> <laughs> they are very wide acrylics <laughs> they don't fit your fingers <sighs> uh, but she's clearly very upset by talking about jonathan's murder and i wrote that it alludes to the possibility that maybe she's the one who killed him but we don't know but as downright say it don't they <laughs> they do at well, some point they're later, kind of like later. yeah Whoa. okay yeah, it's uh, Coop and Albert later. Yeah. Coop steps out to get another cup of coffee and to give Harry and Josie some alone time. And he runs into Pete carrying about 12 large coats. <laughs> I know. That was so hilarious. I do like um, Al- uh, Albert, Harry being like, if you were ever going to tell the truth, now's the time. I'm like, <sighs> I mean, it's been, been the time for a long time, but. <laughs> right. <laughs> 
But I don't also think she's going to tell her boyfriend who's a cop the the like, yeah, I murdered someone. <laughs> yeah, I swear. Especially when she's I feel like she, currently... she might as well. <laughs> well, yeah, but I feel like she's always like thinking I've got myself out of worse. So I can get myself out of this. So true, true. I, I've said uh, Jack Nance. Uh, can carry some ridiculous comedy through a swinging door. Yes. Because this door is like <laughs> swinging back and forth and he is just, I it almost feels improv but he's, he can, he can handle it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. He was really funny. Uh, yeah. He was carrying quite a few coats and he was talking to Coop about the lady who owns the cleaners and she only speaks <laughs> Hungarian and the only Hungarian words he knows are goulash and paprika. <laughs> Two very good words to know. <laughs> Yes, the two very delicious words to know. <laughs> a phone call comes in and it's for Josie. But as Pete's answering the phone, he goes in to take a fiber sample from one of the coats and takes the pair of gloves off. Hmm. Uh, yeah, but, Cooper. Uh, I was like, should freshly dry clean clothes have such obvious evidence on them? That like, oh, let me I take wouldn't a think so. <laughs> but maybe they weren't dry cleaned very well. Oh, the walls um, are closing in on Josie. Mm-hmm. As she answers the phone, Josie finds it's Thomas Eckhart. Um, and we see that Catherine is listening in on the other line and welcomes him to Twin Peaks. And then I wrote, what's the deal with his pink eye? <laughs> it's so gross. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't even notice it's very like it looks like he has pink eye and but then like the next scene that we see him in he doesn't have it anymore so i was like that's weird interesting yeah that's what i was thinking the walls are closing in on josie but i was wondering oh yeah i still feel like i mean i guess i know what's going on but i was just wondering Mm -hmm. if you felt like you understood what was going on at this point because i feel like it's a little unclear like what's happening Like with uh, a Catherine and Thomas? Yeah, and Josie and like, I guess we find out by the end of this episode, but I was a little Yeah, confused, well, like, at this point, I, <laughs> yeah, I remember like her and Andrew telling Pete that they were basically using Josie as bait to lure Thomas Eckhart to them. So I assume at some point they're going to reveal that Andrew is still alive and there's going to be some like confrontation. Right. But yeah, at this point, I didn't, I have didn't know that they were going to start talking about what they do at the end of the episode. Yeah. yeah Basically <laughs> training her. <laughs> Ooh, okay. uh, but at the Great Northern, we see Ben is still in full Confederate mode. <laughs> Jerry takes Audrey aside and talks about the possible positives of keeping Ben in this state. But then Audrey <laughs> gives him a quick reality check by letting him know that if Ben is incapacitated, everything goes to her. <laughs> <laughs> I love her like operating from this place of power. And I think mm-hmm. this is another Jane Austen. I was thinking she's kind of like an Emma because like she yeah. has all the power and she realizes it, you know, <laughs> she's yeah. like, I'm not giving it up, you know? Yeah. She um, definitely is very Emma-ish. Yeah. Also, Johnny, long time no see. <laughs> I know. I was like, we get a full, love, almost a full family shot. I know. I love all the staff with their drums. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure they were like, why? Why did and I, I come in? I know. And Ben on his giant stuffed horse is hilarious to me. I just find yes. this whole <laughs> scene very funny. <laughs> yeah. Um, I, I also wrote that it's hard to imagine that Audrey and Donna are the same age because yeah. <laughs> it just feels like Audrey is like so much more grown up and Donna is still in this like almost like high school-y soapy storyline still. I guess. In a way. It is, it is a pretty grown up story that she's got yeah, herself definitely. involved in. Yeah. I don't know what and, it is, uh, but 
I don't know, maybe you mentioned this in the next line, but I like when Bobby says that basically bikers tried to steal his his cosplay jacket. Yes. <laughs> I'm like, did <laughs> they? Me up. <laughs> it very much felt like he was trying to be like, look, I fought off some bikers, Audrey. Like, aren't you impressed? And she was not impressed at all. So back at Hideout Wally's, Evelyn is stumbling around the bar drunk. Donna confronts her about framing James, but in the middle of their conversation, Malcolm shows up and tells Donna that if he ever sees her again, he'll kill her. And I wrote, where is the bartender? (laughs) I know. I feel like it's kind of crazy to me that Donna and I mean, presumably James have been able to hang out at this only bar in town all day when they're like, yeah, number one suspects for a murder. And I do really like like the Evelyn and Donna par- part of that scene. And then me too. Malcolm comes in. And I'm like, oh, don't like Malcolm and Donna. Don't like it. You're so gross, no. Malcolm. Because he like, Ew, he's like very gross. Yeah, that's that was when I was like, um, <laughs> someone is getting assaulted in this bar. Like, is no one paying attention? So this man needs to go. Annoyed. Yeah. <laughs> and then I was afraid I... that they were going to be implicating Donna soon in their plot. Yeah, I was like, you better leave her alone. You can do whatever you want, James. I don't really care. But leave Donna alone. Yeah. All right. Uh, Back at the station, Albert lets Coop know that the fiber he pulled from Josie's coat matches the one found outside his room when he was shot. He also lets him know that they're... That Albert's account to analyze this evidence at this very moment. (laughs) Coop was like, let me get this sample really bad. (laughs) He also lets him know that Seattle police are looking for a woman matching Josie's description in connection with Jonathan's murder. Mm. So things aren't looking so great for her. He was shot... Two weeks ago, I was trying to do the math because this is episode yeah, I think 15. So. so Yeah, I think so. About two weeks ago. But in Harry's office, Coop finds out the connection with the mysterious murdered man and Wyndham. His last name is Powell, which is the same name. Mm. Wait, is made Caroline's maiden name. So they match. So another thing like, don't you forget, Coop. <laughs> like... He's very, very obvious. He's really managing to accomplish a lot considering he's like roughing it at a cabin in the woods. With rocks as yeah, <laughs> yeah, and then I I have my own questions about like how does he get the stuff like that we see in the beginning about Leo like his mugshot and like how is he getting these like paper things? I, I wish know, that he's was really explained. good at being um, a bad guy. <laughs> yes, <laughs> he must have yes. been planning this for a while. <laughs> Seriously, but they come to the conclusion that every time one of their pieces is taken from the board, someone dies. But Luckily, Harry knows a local chess savant. <laughs> At the double R, we find out that the savant is Pete. Coop I asks can't him, express how much I appreciate Pete being the chess master. <laughs> yeah, I feel like up until this point, we've kind of like Pete's only been like a kind of like a, a punching bag for Caroline, uh, Caroline, Catherine, and a um, just kind of like a gag character. Like he's not really had any important parts in the story. So I was really happy to see that he is going to be our chess person yeah and was that toad sitting at the end of the yes (laughs) yes he has beaten toad doc hayward and coop he's currying them i love it i love it so much (laughs) me too but coop asks him uh, if he's willing to help and pete proudly accepts and then we see shelly come in to find norma polishing (gasps) a giant ice cream cone God, I love the giant ice cream between the two. Yes. 
the sounds like that they were making while they were polishing it made me laugh because I was like it almost <laughs> sounds like they're just like I can't remember what it's called but when they do it in editing where they just kind of edit them in but it just made <laughs> <Probably>. me laugh <laughs> everyone in town is like wrapped up in all this stuff it's just like I know it seems like it's like uh everyone started out in the beginning of the series so separate and now everyone kind of has a tie into like what's happening right now it's really interesting yeah yeah but she asked Norma if she needs any help and Norma gladly asked her when she can start. And I wrote, they're besties. I'm so glad that they're back together. I know, I love it. But Harry comes in and asks if Norma and him can speak alone. And they talk about Hank. And Harry lets her know that his parole violations and the attempted murder of Leo will send him away for a long time. I do. I also Hopefully. really like this shot of like Harry and Norma yeah. through the the window. I think that Me was too. a cool framing of the shot. Yeah, I really like that one too. <laughs> this is where I wrote... I don't know. I've definitely heard people call this the worst episode and somehow seem to blame Diane Keaton for that. But those people are clearly wrong. <laughs> yeah, I yeah, I think I the like only. So far... oh, go ahead. oh, I was just gonna say so far, it feels like the episode has a lot of tension and humor. And mm-hmm. I'm liking all this, these like fun, interesting experimental shots. Yeah. And I said, I don't understand why people don't like things sometimes. It just seems so arbitrary. <laughs> yeah, I think it's because it's like different. And people get very precious about things that they love. And, you know, yeah, I don't know. I'm enjoying it so far. So back at the Martells, Thomas Eckert arrives to meet with Catherine. They Ooh, talk about so low, Catherine. Yeah, I was like, whatever. it's like you got to like it's a weird place to be with Catherine right now because I like kind of love how like fearless she is and she is not scared of him at all. But it also, oh, yeah, like, she's so conniving and so like awful to Josie. You're like, I know. I, I mean, know. it's like. I know Josie possibly killed, tried to kill you, Catherine, and tried to kill Cooper. But <laughs> I mean, this man bought her as a child prostitute. So it just feels like, uh, right. you know, I think we could give her, <laughs> give her some leeway. She's had a rough life. Yeah. But I feel like Joan Chen is just really good as Josie. Yeah. Like she's got so much, so many crazy levels going on. And like, you can just mm-hmm. read all of it on, you know. I just feel like she's a really good, like a face actress. Like you can definitely read every single feeling she's having without her saying, having any lines. Yeah. And she's got so many sides. Like, you know, she's got Mm -hmm. her nefarious business side, but also her extremely vulnerable, like damaged side. And like they all, (laughs) you can see them all, all the time. I just, I think she's really good. (laughs) <laughs> yeah and one thing i was thinking of in this scene is like i kind of miss the interactions we would get between josie and pete because they were always so like kind to each other yeah well even like Let's earlier see. in the episode like pete being like you know i felt bad for her so i went to go get the dry cleaning because right like, running her ragged so <laughs> yeah he's just the best they're very sweet yeah but they talk about andrew's death and Josie is being <laughs> is forced to serve them and she looks terrified. And especially because they start talking about what Thomas Eckert is willing to trade for Josie in return. And I was like, <laughs> maybe don't talk about her like that when she has a giant knife in her hand. Seriously. Ugh, you're gonna like make her desperate. I mean. Mm-hmm. And I think that the pig the giant pig head for the main course is particularly mm. <laughs> Yes. <laughs> Strange, bizarre. <laughs> 
Point. I know. I was like a <laughs> pig head. Okay. <laughs> I feel like that was a Catherine, a Catherine touch. <laughs> yeah, definitely. <laughs> All right. So back at the Marsh residence, we find James confronting Evelyn. I wrote in the cheesiest way. He just tears open the doors and it's like <laughs> this is the worst part the this truth. is the worst scene this is probably yes. the part that i was like i have to fast forward through all of james because this one scene but like he's talking to it. her so close and it's like she said something like i like the way you taste and he says i like the way you taste too and i was like yeah wretch <laughs> yeah i was like taste is like the worst sense i think to <laughs> say about just, someone this whole scene is just so like, oh, gross. I just, ugh. I feel it like it's supposed like, to be passionate and I'm supposed to feel like, oh, this is hot, but I just feel like, ick, gross. <laughs> yeah. But just the way it plays out, I was like, it just, it comes off as like really bad acting because it, just the way that it just comes across, it was written, like just throwing open the doors and start talking immediately. Like, how do you know that she was there? Like, I don't know. It just know was like really weird. Bad acting or if James is just, you know, he's just, ugh. I feel like that's type. just him. Like, I don't feel like it's a bad character, yeah. but I just feel like he's like just such a ugh, creepy weirdo. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> creepy weirdo is spot on. But as they're having yeah, as they're having their weird, creepy conversation, Malcolm cold clocks him on the back of the head with a gun and tells Evelyn their cover a story for why James will be dead when the police show up. He really looks like an evil leprechaun in this scene. He does. (laughs) I think it's his nose. He just has a very certain type of nose. I'm like, Evelyn is bad. Evil eyebrows. Yes. He's got very got evil eyebrows. Evelyn is bad, but like we see in this one, she's clearly a victim too. Oh, yeah. Like this is clearly not her plan. Yeah. Don't cry. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. You mean sweetie? Yeah, poor baby. Oh, baby. <laughs> hey, Cooper. <laughs> Today I had to take his, I had to like, I almost had to cut his collar off of his neck because oh my God. I don't know what happened to it, but like somehow maybe they had to, maybe it was falling off or something and they had to take it off at doggy daycare, but like it was put together in such a way that I could not open it. And I had to like make it oh. as big as I could and swoop it over his head just to get it off without having to cut it, but I don't think it's oh useful anymore. Mm. Over collar. And yesterday he escaped. What? The house or doggy daycare? He escaped from the backyard because <gasps> the fence Cooper. on this side was like open because it's really like a crappy fence so it barely holds together. And uh-huh. I wasn't panicking, but I went out front to with like the leash to call for him. And when I called for him, he was in the house. So like, I guess sometime between uh. when I was looking for him in the back and looking from the front, he had managed to go all the way back to the house. And I was like, oh, thank God, but don't do that to me. It's scary. Especially not when no. you don't have your collar on. No, that's scary. Baby. Oh, Cooper. Uh, if we did video podcast, you could see how adorable he is. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe one of these days we should post a, a doggy did. picture on <laughs> yeah, Instagram. Well, I mean, that's all I post is doggy pictures. <laughs> <laughs> okay, sorry. Okay. Back to the show. All right. Uh, back at the Great Northern, we see... <laughs> the gang playing into Ben's Civil War fantasy. Everyone's in full costume hair, <laughs> everything. Andrea Scarlett O'Hara cracks me up. <laughs> yes. I also really loved Jacoby's like little tiny black sunglasses. And then I wrote that he must have a collection of like really odd fun glasses because <laughs> yeah. those aren't like in character. <laughs> um, uh, but 
they're playing out the North surrender to break Ben of his mental break, and it works. Uh, I love that as the soon as mental health is to put on a play, right? <laughs> it's theater. Which my third uh, Jane Austen reference of the day. That's so Mansfield Park, <laughs> and I said, "Is this the most Jane Austen episode?" <laughs> <laughs> yes. But as after he signs the treaty, he collapses, and they all run to him. And maybe unknowingly play out the end of the Wizard of Oz when Dorothy wakes up. You were there, <laughs> and you were there. Yeah, Bobby is really. Uh, he goes in for a kiss at one point and gets slapped, which I particularly appreciated. Yes. yes. <laughs> it's so theatrical. I was like, of course, Ben needs all the props. Like the walls are painted. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> the flags are hung on like the ceiling, and there's a giant fake horse. <laughs> Yeah, Absolutely. I mean, and really this storyline, it didn't last that long. It was only like three episodes. Yeah, so. yeah, which I was fine with, yeah. <laughs> personally. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so back at the abandoned milk cottage, Wyndham is applying some black dye to his hair and a fake mustache, clearly getting into disguise. <laughs> we go from um, one he... costume drama to a different costume. <laughs> <laughs> yes. <laughs> He's making Leo write something, but... Clearly, he's not gotten his, like, facilities all back. So he starts to shock him with his collar. And then we see what he's writing on. And it's three pictures, one of Donna, one of Shelly, and one of Audrey. They look like headshots. It's amazing (laughs) that Wyndham can make me feel bad for Leo. Oh, well, I don't really feel bad for Leo. But that's just me. Get out. Get up. You can't be chewing on me, Cooper. You just stared at me. He's chewing on me. Chewing Sorry. God, we're almost done. Can you leave me alone? You just, every episode, (laughs) I have to cut out dog shit every time. But yeah, he's uh he's talking to Leo about which one I can't remember if he said a queen or something about it, but like basically like which one will sort of belong to him, which Mm -hmm. alarms Leo, but he takes the paper and he tears it into three and stuffs it in an envelope. (sighs) Very scary. It is scary. Uh, um, we go back to the Marsh Mansion and Donna come, sees them through the window and comes in screaming for them not to kill James. Always throwing herself into the most dangerous of situations. <laughs> of course. But Malcolm starts asking Evelyn for the gun and she starts backing away from him holding it. And as he goes to take it from her, she shoots him, killing him. I, I was like, yeah. I got chills during this, uh, this scene. I was like, what is happening? What? I'm liking yeah. this. <laughs> <laughs> It's, I, I liked it more than I've ever liked it before. I even kind of like Evelyn. I was like, yes. Yeah, <laughs> I love Evelyn. I think she's a, a very interesting character, and I'm hoping we get a good bit more from her. But Yeah, it's amazing yeah, what you're... But, yeah, sorry. <laughs> Go ahead. But as they both fall to the floor, she starts to recite the story that they were going to give if James had been shot. So maybe they're going to say that about Malcolm. But I don't know if you, I kind of was li- listening to when the, after she shoots and it's, I think it's Donna screaming and maybe Evelyn screaming too, but they kind of distort it. It uh-huh. almost sounds like kind of like maniacal laughter in a way. Mm. It's very, I, I don't it know, it's very weird. like when there were, co- there've been a couple moments, like when Sarah calls for Laura at the very beginning. Oh yeah. Here, it's like, and yeah. I think that maybe when um, Leland and Bob were attacking Maddie, I can't really remember if that's the moment, but there are there several was something like that. moments where like it kind of slows down and gets very deep. And I thought maybe that was mm-hmm. what was happening. And yeah, I mean, it, it 
probably it is like referencing that because if you like in a way Evelyn is sort of like Alora in a way yeah. and who knows what sort of malevolent <laughs> spirit is involved with this mess so yeah James brought it I don't him. know or maybe <laughs> just attracted to it <laughs> yes <laughs> we're back at the Great Northern and Coop is coming back returning to his room and as he stares at a picture of Caroline, Wyndham walks right by him. He doesn't even notice. <gasps> he's so creepy, too. I know. Ugh, he's gross. And there's like a whole rack of owl postcards. Like yeah, yeah. Postcard That's where I was like, the they're not, I feel like they're not trying to be subtle. They're like <laughs> owls everywhere. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah, for sure. I mean, he's but definitely he... the best candidate for like the new Bob, I would say. Oh, yeah. And I guess you could argue like he's in the forest. Like is Bob true, true. now in him working with him? Who knows? And before Leo went into the cabin, I believe we saw like the owl flying around. So like, yes, definitely. I don't, all, I don't like all it. In there. <laughs> but he leaves the envelope uh, at the front desk for Audrey. But as Coop enters his room, he finds a creepy white mask on his pillow. And Before as he, he does, picks... though, he has to dust his suit. That's yes. Up. <laughs> That's very cute. <laughs> <laughs> but as he picks it up, a tape recorder underneath starts playing a message from Wyndham about Caroline. Tapes, tapes, tapes. Lots of tapes. <laughs> Um, and then he ends the message where Cooper got Coop. his tape recording obsession. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Uh, to, oh, yeah. We haven't had a tape recorder to Diane in a while. No. I, I we've definitely it. had it, you know, within the last, like, maybe it was 12 or 13. Like, within this yeah. section, I know, because I remember thinking, it's oh. It's been a while, though. I thought this went away, but it, it's still around. But it has been a little, at least a few episodes. Yes. But. He ends the message telling Coop that it's now his move. <laughs> Very creepy. Yeah. I mean, I really like this episode. I feel like... I do too. It just proves that, like, your enjoyment of a thing is more about you than the thing. Oh, <laughs> like, yeah. It really depends <laughs> on how you feel at any given moment as to whether you're going to enjoy that thing. So... <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I, I think it was a great episode. A lot of the shots were really cool. I would say, like, the only thing I wasn't, like, super into... I was into it the first time, but not... Like, I think we did it maybe two more times. Um, like, the slow motion shots where it felt, like, very distorted and, like, almost like you were stumbling around. I wasn't my favorite, but... It was still a great episode. And I thought she did a great job yeah. of this. Yeah. I mean, I just, it's just hard because like, I'm trying to think like people don't generally like this part and right. I'm like trying to remember like, what is it that people don't like about it? Because when I try to watch it like objectively and you know, you know, I have my James problems, but like even this, which had a ton <laughs> of James, I was like, there was really only that one scene with James close talking, yeah. which I was like, oh my God. <laughs> but I think that was more of yeah. a, just a James thing than anything yeah. else. <laughs> He's always been kind of annoying, so. <laughs> right. Maybe it's because a woman directed it, but who knows? Oh, you know, maybe it is. Maybe people are just like, it could be like a slightly sexism. Like women have directed episodes of Twin Peaks that people have liked before, but I think like, being a famous actress you know people are yeah. like are like you can't be good at more than one thing and we're not gonna let you be right, good at yeah. directing if you're already a good actress 
Which is but, crazy because you know, I mean, maybe that's I, true. I don't know. I love Diane Keaton. I think she's great. And so clearly she's very talented in directing because it was a great episode. Yeah. I mean, I don't want to say that anyone who didn't like this episode is sexist. I'm just saying maybe that right. could have something to do with it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I think that's, uh, I think it's a very, especially because it was the early 90s when it was made. And, you know, it's, I, yeah. I think it tracks for a lot of stuff. Yeah. It's like people are okay with men trying to do a david lynch style but like Mm -hmm. when she does it people don't like it i don't know but like i personally leslie lincoln gladder has been one of my favorite directors of twin peaks you know since we started this and i believe she does the next episode so i'm very excited to watch (gasps) that one (laughs) but okay well what was your favorite part oh gosh good moments in this episode oh yeah I would say I really sort of enjoyed the scene where Thomas Eckert comes to meet Catherine and Mm -hmm. just like Josie was so great in that scene, just like didn't have any lines, but like you could read every single thing she was feeling on her face. And I kind of liked the Catherine Thomas kind of back and forth because it was like two Titans (laughs) battling. Yeah. And I thought that was such like a really fun cool scene to like it'd be like a, I could see it being a very fun scene to do because you're like you have to kind of you know puff up your chest <laughs> okay well let's see what was my favorite I mean I really like when Nadine comes in when Norma yes the that's bed. a great <laughs> scene really cute I really love Shelly and Norma you know getting back yeah. together that was really me too and i i mean for all its silliness i really enjoyed just the theatricality of ben's breakdown and (laughs) him needing to have full production for his final act full costume (laughs) paint the walls of my office and everything daughter you must make yourself a flouncy dress (laughs) (laughs) really mommy learn to play the trombone or trumpet or whatever he's playing (laughs) or or don't (laughs) because it was not great yeah so i guess i had a little bit of a little bit of a lot i always do that though i'm always like my favorite part is 15 different things (laughs) (laughs) especially this episode like there's a lot of great stuff in it yeah Okay, so for the deep dive, yeah. I decided because I really wasn't sure if they show up much more, I decided we could maybe do Evelyn and Malcolm. Sure. Neither I would say Malcolm probably doesn't show up anymore. <laughs> probably not. He's dead. <laughs> <laughs> So, I mean, yeah. Evelyn, I'm much more interested in sorting, but neither of them have yeah. cards. So <laughs> they don't have birthdays right. for us to <laughs> just go off of. Uh, yeah. I don't know. Maybe it was because this storyline is so prominent that it had like such a low rating. Could be. It could be the bin horn. People don't like that one, but I thought it was Yeah. <laughs> and I also looked them both up, and there's like no backstory. So they weren't. I that think important. that she might have been talked about in the secret history of Twin Peaks, but very briefly touched upon. So I don't think they really. Yeah. Well, I think also like what I sort of like find weird about the storyline is like, it feels like a departure from the show because I mean, the show's called Twin Peaks, but this part of the storyline <laughs> doesn't even take place in Twin Peaks and yeah, people who are not is... from Twin Peaks, but. It seems like an even smaller town than Twin Peaks in certain ways. Yes. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so I can rich. see maybe. It has huge house yeah i wonder if it's like when you go and like 
when we like are in North Carolina and we're driving kind of like in these like little in-between towns and like you see like this humongous like chalet mansions. Yeah. <laughs> Maybe it's one of those. Yeah. Okay, well, should we do Malcolm first then just to get him done? Or should we do Yeah, he first? seems to me like the most like the easiest of the two. Okay. Like I get fire sign personally. Oh, yeah, he could be fire sign. Hmm. I'm trying to think of what they are. <laughs> an Aries. I was also thinking maybe, <laughs> well, I was thinking air sign just because they're so calculating, but it does seem all to come oh. from a place of like passion. So I would say fire sign is probably good. Yeah. I could be Aries or Leo. Yeah. I, I would say, say Aries just because it's ruled by Mars mm-hmm. and that's more of, um, you know, a um, militant type of a, <laughs> a planet yeah. than the sun. Yeah, because Aries to me, like, he seems much more kind of like headstrong and like willing to barrel through things to get what he wants in a way. And Leo to me seems more like a leadership. Like he's not necessarily, he's like kind of make, like controlling Evelyn through force, not like through like, you know, convincing yeah. her. You know what I mean? I mean, he could also be Sagittarius, I suppose, because he does have like some adaptability. And mm-hmm. I know whenever you see like people post, what do all these serial killers astrology signs have in common? And it's always that they're <laughs> all mutable. <laughs> but I don't think he's like a serial killer. I feel like Eh, probably more of an Aries because he seems, yeah, probably Aries. We'll just say Aries. Yeah, maybe like some Aries. Scorpio in there. <laughs> <laughs> I always throw some Scorpio in for the darker people. <laughs> and I mean, Evelyn. God, I say she could be a Scorpio too. Like, yeah, you know, I feel like she could, definitely seems like more of a a water sign type person. And okay. Scorpio is also ruled by Mars. So it'd be interesting if they were Scorpio and Aries, because I think those signs have some stuff in common. Yeah. Uh, but I, like I do know that they also are very, like, very passionate, I believe. Mm-hmm. Scorpios, like, almost could be obsessive. So I don't know. <laughs> or she could be like a Pisces, you know, just like can just kind of change her personality. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, yeah, I'm trying to think like, I don't know. I kind of like the Pisces, like the changing, because she does seem to kind of, you know, she hasn't known James very long, but she apparently loves him. So she's changing everything about herself and her plan to accommodate that. that. Yeah, I think maybe Pisces is right. I like Pisces. Maybe both her and Malcolm have like Scorpio risings, but they're really like (laughs) Pisces and Aries. (laughs) I like that. Okay, so for, uh, I guess they're both kind of chaotic evil. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) Evelyn is better she's still planning evil things and yeah she's okay with it yeah I, I would say up until like the end she's willing to throw James under the bus so yeah <laughs> yeah definitely those but for Jane Austen Jane Austen oh my gosh we've talked about so much Jane Austen this episode I I <sighs> Maybe it's just because I just mentioned Mansfield Park, but I kind of feel like they both could be like Mansfield Park characters. Like, mm-hmm. you know, I mean, we've only seen the one adaptation, so I don't know how familiar you remember, how much you remember <laughs> Mansfield Park. But like in that book, we have a lot of kind of not great characters, but who are still uh-huh. kind of likable. And we have like a really supposedly good character who a lot of people find very unlikable. So like, <laughs> I, can see I don't that. know. I feel like they could fit in with like the Crawfords, you know, yeah, they could pretend to be part of society when they're really 
you know, scammers. <laughs> yeah. I also feel like in a way they give off of, oh my God, don't tell me what their names are because I want to say it so that you can agree with me. <laughs> Stop putting words in my mouth. <laughs> <laughs> Where are they? Okay. I feel like they are pretty much almost exact copy of Esther and Edward from Sanitary. Oh, you know. In a way. Yeah, except for they're not actually brother and sister, but they're right, right. They, they were played. For a long time. <laughs> they pretended they were. That is that is actually extremely, extremely accurate. I love it. Yes. And Esther is the one who breaks away, and Evelyn's the one who breaks away. So Yeah. There's no Lord Babington in this, though. <laughs> no, James is not a Lord Babington. That's for I sure. I think she's a little more far gone than Esther. <laughs> yes, <laughs> definitely. She's almost. Who was that other girl who Edward oh. was conspiring with? Yes, uh, her Soon name. Enough, we're gonna be watching this. I'm... I feel like it should be Clara. 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 Yes, Clara. <laughs> Clara. <laughs> yeah, I wonder if she'll be back this season. I'm excited. I hope so. I enjoyed her. <laughs> Well, that is it for this episode. Let's do recommendations. Recommendations. Um, do you have them? I do. Because the other day, upon your recommendation, I watched oh. Free Guy and I really enjoyed Ooh. it. <laughs> <laughs> it was fun, wasn't it? Yeah, I thought it was really fun. And I was like, oh, Jody Comer. I couldn't tell that was you from the poster. <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah. At first, when you find when you see her, she has like not blonde hair, and I'm like, "Who is this lady? <laughs> you have to have blonde hair." Yeah, but she like with her double accents, you know, Killing Eve. Mm-hmm. She's got a lot of good accents. <laughs> she. I, really, I mean, if you, I love her. She's yeah. If you watch Killing Eve, she is very much accent savant. She's very good at accents. <laughs> yeah. Speaking of Killing Eve, I need to watch that. Maybe that'll be a future recommendation. (laughs) (laughs) I'm very excited for this season. I need to watch it. Okay. Well, I should have had something. I I had something in my head and then I forgot it. (laughs) You can share the free guy recommendation since you recommended it to me in the first place. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, okay. I don't know what I'll recommend. I'll recommend a podcast. Ah. It's called, I think I've recommended it before, but the (laughs) new season just started. And it's called Confronting Demons with Megan Stalter. And it's hosted by her and her brother. And she's a comedian who, she was in the HBO show Hacks. And she's really good in that. She's really funny. She does a lot of like very funny viral Instagram things. If you remember during Pride Month, the um, high gay video, that was her. And she's just <laughs> very funny and very silly and dumb. And her and her brother together have like the very like very similar sense of humor. And it's just really funny to hear them do this podcast where they're quote unquote confronting like people about things. And it's like the dumbest (laughs) things you ever heard. It's really funny. Oh, so cute. (laughs) Yeah, I love it. Well, if you would like to get in contact with us. Yes, you can email us at mannersmadness at gmail.com. You can DM us on Twitter at mannersmadness or on Instagram at mannersmadnesspod. Or you can leave a one-minute voicemail on our website at mannersofmadness.com. Yes. And we would love it if you would give us a rating and review on Apple Podcasts or rating on Spotify. And next week, we are going to be doing... I always forget to have to change folders for this. (laughs) (laughs) This is 15. We're going to be doing Sense and Sensibility, um, chapters 30 through 34. And then we'll be back the next week with Twin Peaks... 
Season 2, Episode 16. Can't wait to see. (laughs) Hope everybody is having a good week. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. (laughs) Uh, Thank you very much for listening. Stay safe, and we will see you next week. Good night. Bye.